0: Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and our alumni have an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello and welcome to All in a Day's Work. My name is Kyle Nicole Deveza and I'm speaking with Christopher Griffin, an assistant director at the NYU LGBTQ plus center. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: So I wanted to talk a little bit about your NYU journey. You began really with your master's program here for higher education, but you were interested in education for a while before that. What initially got you interested in education and how did that interest help you discover higher ed as a career?
1: Yeah, so uh, I actually grew up in West Philadelphia, not too far from the campus of University of Pennsylvania. And as a little child, I would like ride my bike down, like what we call locust walk. And uh, my parents like, you're going to go there one day. And being a first generation college student, didn't really know the pathway to get there. And, you know, while I have my parents encouragement and support, I didn't necessarily have the, the social capital around how to gain access to an institution like that one. And so all I knew was to just, you know, be good at school, get good grades, and that would get you into college. And so and it also helped that I really enjoyed school and I really enjoyed learning. I'm just a very curious pe- person by nature. And then eventually landed a situation with the University of Pennsylvania where I was able to meet a mentor who really, like, shepherd me through the college uh, application process, which was a true a true godsend in a lot of ways, just having his support. And he's still my mentor till this day. And so, you know, once I was accepted into my undergrad institution, I was very motivated to ensure that all that I had learned, I really wanted to pay it forward and to help students that looked like me, Black and brown students from working class backgrounds who were either within the public school system or the charter school system within Philadelphia. So started a pre-college program at Penn that still exists in some iterations. And I graduated many, many years ago and ended up coming to NYU for my master's degree, where I had the opportunity to work as a grad assistant at the LGBTQ plus center. And so, you know, while I was doing my degree at NYU, not only was I learning about the history of higher education institutions. I was also able to hone in on conversations that relate to intersectional identity development, and providing and creating those spaces and dialogue for LGBTQ plus students to thrive. And so, yeah, so a lot of you know my work in higher education really stems from my own experiences and wishing that there were certain kinds of support. For me, whether you know an undergrad or as a grad student, it's a fabulous opportunity to really engage in a lot of the work that I'm passionate about.
0: Thank you for walking us through sort of your academic journey into your professional journey. Uh, I mm-hmm. would love to hear more about you expanding on your key responsibilities with the LGBTQ Plus Center.
1: Yes, yeah, so my role are, are focused within a, a few particular areas, and the main one is programming. And so we do our work through programming and creating spaces for students to see themselves, to engage in conversation, to engage in dialogue, to engage in difference, and to engage in community building. And so all the way from uh, NYU Welcome all the way up until Lavender Graduation, which is our graduation ceremony for LGBTQ plus students. And so programming is near and dear to my heart. I love doing programming. And one of my favorite programs is Trans Awareness Week, which takes place typically the second, third week of November, where we uplift trans, non-binary, and gender expansive communities. And honestly, like one of my uh, favorite programming series programming is one area I also work with all of our student groups. We have about 8 active groups right now, all student led, and it's my job to make sure that they feel supported, they have everything they need from resources, access to room, and advisors just to make sure that they're able to do the work that they do. So that's a little bit about what I do.
0: So what does it mean for you to be in this role now? Um honestly, it's
1: it's really a full circle. To be able to do this work as a Black, queer, non-binary person, uh, to have a Black, queer, non-binary person in leadership at an LGBTQ plus center, I think it's a very powerful thing and uh, something that I hope we see more of moving into the future. And so I think it, for me, allows an opportunity to, I don't know, to really ponder like what are different you know, intersectional identities within the LGBTQ plus community that need to be highlighted, that need a spotlight to, I don't know, to really allow students to engage in different conversations that allows them to build community with each other. And so that's honestly how I see my role. My role is to create spaces that serve as a catalyst to community building so that students can see themselves in the programming that students can see themselves in the leadership. Right. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I personally take on as a black queer non-binary person in this particular role is that I show up unapologetically in all of my identities because I think activism, advocacy it's not always just programming. It's not always just policy. Sometimes it's just existence, right? It's representation. And so I think those are also some, some key elements as it relates to this particular role. But I'm very grateful to be doing this work, doing the work that I love and doing the work that I'm passionate about.
0: Can you talk about the differences between working at a nonprofit versus working at an institution like NYU?
1: Yes. Yeah, there are. I mean, it depends on what nonprofit you're working for. You know, the difference between, you know, working for a nonprofit, what I had an amazing opportunity to do. I was a college counselor for an LGBTQ plus youth serving organization right after I graduated in 2014. And I did that for about two years. And I mean, I think the main difference is, honestly, in my experience, has been uh, resources. So, compared to the nonprofit that I was working at, the amount of resources that NYU has is is staggering. And so, you know, resources, especially monetary resources, is something that I'm never really worried about in this particular role, which is fantastic because it allows me to do the work a bit more freely. And then, you know, it depends on the you know higher education institution you're working at or the nonprofit you're working at but the populations that you're serving are also very different, right? And so my role working as a college counselor for the LGBTQ plus youth organization, I was working with uh, homeless youth, I was working with high school students, I was working, you know, with students from transfer high schools. And, you know, that worked, those conversations that journey to getting, you know, those youth to trust me look different, right, as compared to working with students at NYU. And this is not saying that an NYU student cannot experience homelessness or food insecurity or any of those things, Uh but the populations were different. And so I think that when doing the work, you just have to think differently about and cater to the audiences that you are serving. And so... Yeah, I would say resources and populations of people who access the institutions are very different.
2: And now a word from Joe Mercadante, Senior Associate Director of Global Employer Engagement and Strategic Outreach at the Wasserman Center. Whether you're finding your first job out of college or switching careers 10 years after graduation, Finding an LGBTQ plus friendly organization can be essential to be successful both in your work and personal life. Here are some tips to ensure you're finding the right organization that meets your needs. First, do your research, understanding their reputation, looking to see what initiatives they have online, understanding how they're supporting LGBTQ plus employees. And this can be done through a few ways. First, going on their website, Googling them, figuring out what is their online presence. Next, looking up Human Rights Campaign's Corporate Equality Index. This is a great resource to see how they compare to other organizations, what are some key benefits that they offer, and other initiatives. Next, engaging your network, asking around your colleagues, your friends, your friends of friends, people that you've met at events and networking opportunities. They can give you an insider view of the organization. So do people who work there think that they're LGBTQ plus friendly? Does what they put on their website match how their day-to-day is? This can really be essential to ensure that you are making the right move for your first or second or even third job. Next, asking the right questions during the interview. Understanding what they do to support all employees. Do they have employee resource groups? they offer initiatives that support lgbtq plus employees next also understanding the key benefits offered current employees so are their family formation and family leave benefits inclusive of lgbtq plus employees lastly thinking through and understanding is this going to be the right fit for my career for me and am i making the right choice the bottom line is, you want to be well prepared to deal with this aspect of the job search before you begin. Lastly, keep in mind that although an organization may be LGBTQ plus friendly, transgender inclusivity may not always be included in those benefits and resources, so doing your due diligence in your research can really save time in the long run to ensure that you didn't miss anything. Good luck and the Wasserman Center is here to help. Now back to the show.
0: In addition to your current incredible work at the LGBTQ plus center, you have also gained a large following as plant queen. Can you describe for the listeners what you do as plant queen and how it all started?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh plant queen is a, an, another extension of who I am and, uh, It's basically, you know, my social media presence where I share the lust journey of being a plant parent. I have about over 230 plants in my Brooklyn apartment. And while the journey started well before the pandemic, My grandmother actually introduced me to, you know, her love for nature at a very early age. And we actually went on little dates when I was uh, like five, six years old. She would take me to her favorite nurseries in Philadelphia where I grew up. And she just taught me the importance and the sacredness of uh, bringing nature into our homes and creating spaces for our own comfort. And so Plant Queen is just that. Plant Queen is... uh, I describe myself as a Black, queer, non-binary queen obsessed with the botanical scene. And it's really just taking, you know, different aspects of my identity as a Black, queer, non-binary person who loves plants, who's an educator, who loves to share joy, the joy that I experience from bringing plants into my home and caring for them, but then also just sharing the things that I'm learning as I'm going. And so, like, as an educator, You know, I've always found that what I really love doing is taking in information and then making it fun and accessible for other folks. And so that's what Plant Queen has kind of become. And it's been really fun. I mean, some opportunities have come my way that I never thought would come my way. Was able to write my first book, uh, You Grow Girl, Plant Queen's Lush Guide to Grow in Your Garden, which was, which I wrote during the pandemic. I've had the opportunity to work with amazing brands. And yeah, I think it feels good to have built something out of just a passion and a true love and a, a family legacy. Uh, and so it, it's been, honestly, it's been beautiful. <laughs> it's been really beautiful.
0: Your passion for plants and the familial background of it definitely shows in your community, especially in, your, in the social space. But since you brought up your great book, You Grow Girl, I would love to hear about the process of writing a book like that. Ooh, chow.
1: Yeah. It took a lot of discipline, a lot of organization, a lot of support from uh, my editor, who helped me to create a timeline. Yeah, it was a lot of research on my part, but through my grad school experience and then also my undergrad experience, which kind of prepared me to do a PhD. I was also like a McNair scholar um, so I really thought I was going to do a PhD, y'all. I really thought I was going to do a PhD. And so I honestly just took all that. And instead of doing a PhD, I just like wrote my own book, which you basically do at the end of a PhD program, you write your dissertation. And so a lot of it was sitting down and uh, allowing for the words to kind of just flow. So I would describe the book as like a fun, campy plant guide or green girl guide. I call my plants green girls. Filled with wonderful imagery of uh, black queer non-binary joy. And it also takes folks through exercises that I found really helpful in the midst of the pandemic, uh, when we were like isolating and quarantining and having to spend so much more time with ourselves. And once I finished it, I I wrote the book in five months and photographed it in like six months. And I actually hired like one of my good friends to uh, photograph the book with me, and that was fabulous. And honestly, I feel like there are just so many good things from the book that are kind of just evergreen. I think it's important that we do allow, whether you're an extrovert, an introvert, or somewhere in between, I do think that, you know, existing within your solitude is really important allowing, you know, space and time just for you. And uh, honestly, that's what that book is. The book is my, I don't know, my love letter to my journey, my love letter to my grandmother who passed on the knowledge to me as a young child that has really shaped me in so many different ways, not only my love for plants, but just like who I am as an unapologetic Black queer non-binary person. And so that, that book is that love letter to that journey.
0: It seems that you found a balance within your personal and your professional. And I want to know, how do you find that balance between your full-time role as well as plant queen? And what advice do you have for people hoping to build an online platform similar to the one that you have also created?
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's all about boundaries. It's about boundaries. You got to have boundaries. You got to be okay with saying no sometimes. And so for me, you know, when I was hired for this particular role, I, I made it clear that having a life outside of this work is really important to me. And is what I need in order for this, you know, this work to be sustainable for me. I want to do this work for a very long time. And uh, burning out, they say sometimes the brightest stars burn out the fastest. And I'm like, I'm not trying to burn out quickly. And so, you know, I think communicating that when you're interviewing uh, for a job, I think is important. Or maybe not even putting that out there, but, then, but asking questions that elude, that allows you to assess what the work-life culture is within an institution, I think is really important when you're interviewing. So for folks listening, make sure that you interview them as much as they're interviewing you. And when I am not doing LGBTQ plus center stuff, I'm doing plant queen stuff. And that's typically after, after the work day or before the work day. And so you're putting in a lot of hours. So like, if you're balancing both, time is of the essence and you have to use it wisely. And then as it relates to the social media presence, what I encourage folks to really start with is just to, Find a passion or multiple passion and just create for you. And so that's honestly how Plant Queen started. I was like, I really like doing this. I really like documenting my plant journey. So I want to create a digital journal and that's what it was. And as, you know, it grew, I wanted to explore and be creative with how I showed up in the conversations that I had. And so, yeah, I think it's really about consistency. I think it's doing it for you first and foremost, that it's fun for you, that you enjoy it so that it is sustainable in the long run. I think, folks, we live in a world where, I don't know, people want fame to come quickly. And sometimes it doesn't happen like that. I've been doing Plant Queen since 2016, 2015. So it's been seven years. I've been doing this for seven years. And... uh, it wasn't until like 2020 that this, you know, this massive following came and that was never my intention. I was like, I just want to do this for me. This is something that I, I feel like I owe to my family's legacy, uh, to my grandmother. And it kind of just took off in the ways that it took off. And now, you know, opportunities are coming that are amazing that I've never dreamt of. And it's been, it's been great. So boundaries, caring for yourself, knowing that you don't have to do it alone. There's. beauty and community care. I bring my friends into whatever I'm doing as much as possible, and I pay them when they contribute to whatever I'm doing. And so, yeah, I think that's a lot of advice, but I would stick to those things, but also understand that your journey is your own and you know what's best for you. So stick with your gut and uh, enjoy yourself. Have fun with it.
0: As you continue to enjoy your journey... What's next for you, Christopher?
1: You know, honestly, this this pandemic has took me through a loop in a lot of ways, uh, personally, emotionally, and uh, you know, allowed me to really just reflect on what's important in my life. And honestly, you know, I think I've always been a person who's like, this is exactly what I want to do. I have a timeline, da 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 da, and I think I'm at a part in my life where I'm kind of just open open to the possibilities. I don't know what the possibilities are yet. I think at this point in my journey, I really, I'm really just opening myself up to the universe and uh, allowing for the possibilities and the adventures and the journeys to kind of just come my way.
0: Christopher, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today and share your experience with the NYU community. This has been Kyle Nicole Deveza with another episode of All in a Day's Work. Thank you for listening.
2: If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Kyle Deveza with episode guest Christopher Griffin. We're produced by Sarah Rosenthal and Ben Barzilai, edited by Ben Barzilai, and created with support from Emily Anderson, Danielle Crystal, Haley Garofalo, and Joseph Mercadante. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.